0: Welcome to How to Eat Less Water, the podcast for anyone who's concerned about the state of our environment and wants to live more sustainably, but is short on either time, money, ideas, or all three. I'm your host, Florencia Ramirez, author of the award winning book Eat Less Water and a kitchen activist. I share bite sized action steps anyone can implement in their kitchen. Why the kitchen? The average person eats between 500 to 1,300 gallons of virtual water every day. Our food is the best place to turn our hope for a better environment into action. Now, let's dig in and grow well-being together. Welcome to the How to Eat Less Water podcast. This is episode 64. This is also an episode I had planned to record last week. I felt like before I could really talk about the work of Cesar Chavez and how he's inspired and continues to inspire not only my work but the work of so many others. I felt like I had to first clear the space with last week's topic, which was about what are the seven ingredients that I need to have in my life that are essential for me to just to keep doing what I do and not just doing the work, but enjoying the work. I hope that you've had a chance to listen to that episode. And if you haven't, maybe go back and listen to that one first as a way to clear the space or check in for yourself about what ingredients might be missing in your life. Like you're in a place where things are just a little off or don't have as much flavor as they could or normally do. We always go through those ebbs and flows in our life when we just start to feel a little blah and it's okay to acknowledge that and give ourselves permission to feel that. But from that blah state, it's hard to be inspired or to inspire other people is the truth of the matter. At least I know that to be true, very true in my own life. I have to feel good to do good and to take in then these really wonderful, inspiring stories from the people who've gone before us or the people who are still doing that work around us. So anyways, I really recommend that you Listen to that episode, and if you have listened to it, then take the time, if you haven't done so already, to create your own checklist of what are those ingredients that are critical, essential for you to just feel good and making sure that you stop the momentum when your days start to lack that flavor and restart, right? So this week, I feel so different. I've signed up for a yoga membership for the studio that I have close to my home, which is walking distance. And I hadn't taken that step, but it's made such a huge difference in my energy. I'm making sure that I have embedded every one of my days movement, because for me, that's what I was really lacking was the movement and going outside and taking in the clouds and the sky and taking big gulps of fresh air, walking on the shoreline. Those were the two ingredients that were missing in my life. And just by making those small adjustments, I feel so much better. I feel invigorated flavors back in my days. And I'm ready to talk about Cesar Chavez Day that just passed on March 31st. It is a U.S. federal commemorative holiday proclaimed by President Barack Obama, but not every state honors Cesar Chavez in the same way. Here in California, schools closed down, state um, offices closed down, with the idea that on that day, it's not just a day off, but a day to be of service in your community to do more than what it is that you do in your regular round. For me, when March 31st comes around, it's the day that I start to reflect on the influence Cesar Chavez has had in my own life, what his work has done to really shape who I am. I grew up and I live in Oxnard, California, and this is a place where Cesar Chavez did his early organizing. This place that I occupy is a place that also was part of his shaping of the activists that he would become in his life. My father in our family was the one who really cultivated an activist mindset that his daughters can make a difference in the world as long as we are clear about what that is, and we pursue it with persistence. And actually, that reminds me of a really wonderful quote that I came across of Cesar Chavez, one of my favorites. And he said, to make a dream come true, the first requirement is a great capacity to dream. The second is persistence. And that second one, I think many of us, we got the dreaming down, but sometimes we need help in that um, regard as well, is to dream, to give ourselves permission to dream is critical, to give our days a space in which we can have time to daydream. Because that's where the manifestation starts, right? Of whatever it is that we want to improve in our life and in our community. But that second one, this is a harder one, which is the persistence, right? The persistence to just keep doing that work, even when it feels like you are doing it alone. And Cesar Chavez was a model for this, to dream and persist to dream and persist throughout all the decades of his work until he died in 1993. But as a, as a teenager, my father made us, because he did make us, we complained about this whole thing. It was in the summer of 1988. My father, my mother, my sisters, we all loaded into the station wagon before dawn and we drove the 200 miles from oxnard california to deleno which is the headquarters of the united farm workers and I sat under the feeble shade with about 3 thousand other people. It was a white canopy tent. We were there to listen to Cesar Chavez, who, as you know, was a co-founder of the United Farm Workers Union with Dolores Huerta. And he was on the 29th day of his hunger strike. And we had come to listen to him, but he was too weak to address the crowd. So we were there to pray for his health. I remember Dolores Huerta addressed the crowd as well as Jesse Jackson and Martin Sheen. This was his last fast because he died five years later, and it was aimed at ending the use of pesticides in the growing of California grapes. The last years of his work with United Farm Workers was about pesticides because he understood how pesticide use on the fields made farm workers sick and it caused birth defects among their children. He would go to the homes of farm workers and talk with them, and he would hear these stories, and he saw too many children, too many babies with birth defects. And he knew that there was a correlation between the exposure of pesticides farm workers had in the fields and the health of their children. He started to talk about the dangers of pesticide use well before many others. So here we are in 2023 and the life expectancy of a farm worker in the United States is 56 years old. Cesar Chavez did tremendous work to further the rights and dignity of farm workers. Things that he was able to accomplish during his life were fair wages, access to clean water when farm workers are working on the fields, bathrooms, lunch breaks, This is work that he successfully accomplished through his life, but there's still so much work to do. That's why it's important that we do have this National Day of Service for Cesar Chavez so that we can continue this conversation. Here are three different ideas, three action steps that you and I can do to honor the work of Cesar Chavez and continue it forward. One of the words I love in Spanish is adelante, forward. That is the motion of activism. It's this forward motion, focusing on what is good. It's understanding what we're lacking and the problems, but not keeping the focus there. The first action step is simply to go to the website of the United Farm Workers Union to sign the petition to ask your U.S. Congress member to support a new national heat regulation bill. So all employers must provide farm workers with water, shade, rest breaks, and emergency procedures to deal with record-setting temperatures that we're experiencing all over the country and really all over the world. The bill is called Asuncion Valdivia, a Heat Illness and Fatality Prevention Act. And Asuncion was a 53-year-old farm worker who died in July 2004. And he collapsed from heat stroke after working a 10-hour day picking grapes in a 100-degree sun. Asuncion died in the car as his son tried to reach a hospital and didn't reach it in time. That was a death that shouldn't have happened and doesn't need to happen again. Every year, it seems like we set new heat records. 2020 set new heat records. 2021 set new heat records. And it just keeps going. Throughout the nation, these high temperatures and number of days at extreme high temperatures are taking their toll on farm workers sign the petition to support this bill so we can support farm workers. You'll find a link in the show notes. The second is to buy organic food. We all are exposed to chemicals with our food, in our water, the air we breathe, but farm workers are on the front lines. They are the ones that are in the fields right after the fields have been sprayed and they are ingesting those chemicals, experiencing rashes on their hands and on their face, having it on their clothing and bringing it into their house and exposing their kids. Right now in the United States, 1% of all cropland is organic certified. That means that 99% of all cropland is treated with chemicals. And 99% of the work farm workers have access to is on fields that are treated with chemicals. So if we as eaters can make a difference, if each time we go to the store, whether it's a grocery store, it's a farmer's market, the restaurants, buy organic food grown without chemicals, without petroleum-based fertilizers. Those things matter to farm workers, to farm worker health. Only 1% of all cropland internationally is organic or organic certified. I urge you to go to the Dirty Dozen, which is the um, environmental working groups shopping guide that comes out every year. Their scientists test conventionally grown produce for chemical residue. They wash it and then test it to see how many chemicals remain. If it's still on that fruit and vegetable, then you and I are ingesting more chemicals. But if that residue is so strong, it's so potent that it remains on that produce even after it's been washed. Just imagine the farm workers who are inhaling and ingesting those chemicals right after they've been sprayed onto the produce or onto these fields. The Dirty Dozen has a shopper's guide that you can go onto their website and see it. They also have a really great template that you can print out if you'd like and keep on your refrigerator inside your pantry to remember if you say, okay, I may not have the budget to buy everything organic, but I will buy organic for these dirty dozen. And so the top, and it generally is year after year, is strawberries. And that happens to be what most of the fields are near me here in Oxnard, are strawberries and potent fumigants are used, ingested by the farm workers and also happen to be right next to a lot of our schools as well. So that's another issue, but that's for another podcast. The second is spinach. The third is kale, collard, and mustard greens. The fourth, peaches. The fifth, pears. The sixth is nectarines. The seventh is apples. The eighth is grapes. The ninth is bell and hot peppers. The 10th is cherries. The 11th are blueberries. And the 12th are green beans. Those are the 12, but like I said, Go and check them out. I'll have it in the show notes, the link to make it super easy for you so that you can print out your own copy of this list. The last action step is to be a kitchen activist, which is what I talk about on the How to Eat Less Water podcast overall. All these action tips that I talk about is to be fully engaged with our food, to realize that food holds the biggest promise on so many different fronts for saving water, to sequester carbon, and for health of people and especially farm workers. We have the opportunity every single day to have our food tell good stories. To be a kitchen activist is to be engaged in all the stages of Planning, shopping, cooking, and storing of our food. And it's just bringing different action steps into our daily round, like the meal planning I talk about, the refrigerator organization so that we don't waste as much food. To cook more at your house from scratch than what you're doing now so that you have control of your ingredients. It's shopping your pantry and your kitchen first before heading out to tackle your grocery list so you're not buying the same things that you have in your refrigerator And you can reduce the waste or building your meal plan based on the ingredients you have in your kitchen first and building upon that. Those are all things that will save you not just food, but will save you money as well. I want to end this podcast episode dedicated to Cesar Chavez with his own words. This was a prayer that he wrote for farm workers, and it goes like this Let the spirit flourish and grow so that we will never tire of the struggle. Let us remember those who have died for justice, for they give us life. Help us love even those who hate, so we can change the world. Thank you, Cesar Chavez, for the work that you did, and for the inspiration that you leave behind. Let's all take that inspiration and move it adelante. Be well. Let's stay connected. Sign up for my newsletter and receive more tips in your inbox weekly and 15% off your first purchase at the Eat Less Water shop. You can also find me on your favorite social media space at Eat Less Water. Please remember to hit subscribe and leave a review, even if it's only the star rating, because every one of them will increase the chances of other like-minded folks to find us. Thank you for joining me on this journey to eat less water. Together, we will write the story of well-being for this planet. We have the privilege to call home. Meet you back here every Wednesday. There is power in the collective.